0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am again flying solo on today's show, just like I was for last week's midweek show. Uh, Curtis, man, he just keeps making excuses to not come on the show. This time he is sick. Uh, But no, for real, his voice sounds pretty bad, so I just gave him the day off. I figured you guys probably would not want to listen to some raspy, weird dude kind of coughing his way through a podcast here. And I know it's weird to hear me go at this solo But as usual in these situations, I figure it's better than nothing. So hopefully it'll be all good, and hopefully Curtis has rested up for Thursday's preview show. But for now, you're stuck with me today. Uh, And it's Wednesday, so it is time for the Week 6 Listener Mailbag. Before we open that guy up, first just a couple quick reminders for you guys. For some of our newer listeners, if uh, you're trying to find us on Twitter and haven't been able to find us, you can check us out. Uh, at glory underscore uga we'd love to hear your thoughts and kind of interact with you guys there especially now that the season is here we really enjoy that uh you can also email us at that if that's a little easier for you and that address is glory uga podcast at gmail.com and you can check us out on our glory uga podcast facebook page uh and you also can just to make sure everyone out there is well aware that you can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms most of the big ones: iTunes, SoundCloud, get the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. You also can find us on dogsportsradio.com, part of the V Sport O Internet Radio Network. So hopefully, one of those, uh, one or two of those, at least work for you guys. So whatever works for you, go ahead and find us there, and uh, it's all good. But uh, let's go ahead and not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and open up this week six listener mailbag. You guys always do a great job with these, and this week is no exception. And uh, we're going to start off with a couple questions about the quarterback situation. Obviously, that is the hot button issue. We are 5-0 right now, which is awesome, as we all well know. But we still have this quarterback situation kind of looming over us. Is Kirby Smart going to stick with Jake Fromm, or is he going to go with the... uh, started to open the season in Jacob Easton, the guy who was the full-time starter almost all of last year, out, starting in week two. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts that have been that have been thrown out on both sides of the equation here. So we're gonna we've got a couple of them here that you guys threw out at us, and we're gonna start with Ellis. Ellis says or asks, "Did Kirby Smart handle Jacob Easton properly by putting him in in the fourth quarter against Tennessee? Does it seem like it's Fromm's job to lose? Kind of a two-part question there." Uh, the first part there. Did Kirby handle Eason properly by putting him in during the fourth quarter at Tennessee? Uh, you know, I th- I think so. I really do. I know it's kind of weird to see the guy who was the preseason starter, guy who started most of the- most of last season, kind of come off the bench and mop up duty. But I do think it's beneficial. when you've been out since week one, since what the third series of week one. I think it's really beneficial. To kind of just get in there, get the feel of being under center in that game setting. Yeah, you can do that in practice, but we all know, I mean, practice can can, you, can give you some insight into what you're going to see in a game, but it, it's not the same thing. So to kind of just get out there with the roar of the crowd, with your team, on the field, against an actual opponent, I think it's, it's certainly beneficial. I think it, it, it certainly helps more than it hurts anything. I mean, Rust is almost inevitable when you're out that long and uh, really couldn't throw for a couple weeks because with your knee you can't plan. So, Rust was almost inevitable in this situation as he's kind of working himself back into game shape. I I will say, though, I did initially question when he came in uh, in the fourth quarter like that. I initially questioned, like, okay, if he's healthy enough to play here in the fourth quarter a mop-up duty, then why wasn't Jacob Eason healthy healthy enough to be the starter? thought that was a legitimate question. So it kind of told me, he's like, whoa, if he's coming in now and he didn't start, this might tell us that Jake Fromm might have a pretty good hold on this position. Like, what does that tell us about where Jacob Eason stands in the quarterback pecking order? But Kirby somewhat cleared that up uh, in the press conference uh, to open this week, and he essentially said that that Jacob just was not cleared until midweek. And if you're not cleared until midweek, that means you're not taking all the reps with the ones and getting kind of all all the the reps with that specific game plan that we were putting in for Tennessee. So it kind of made sense that even though he was cleared to play by the time Saturday arrived, if he wasn't cleared all week long, he clearly was not taking snaps with the first unit uh, through most of the week, which would be kind of, a, it would be a tough situation to kind of put him out there as a starter if you, indeed, if you do indeed have intentions to do that moving forward. So yeah, I think he handled it pretty well there. As for the second part of the question, does it seem like it's Fromm's job to lose? I think there might be some truth in that. It's it's so hard to know because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I wish I had the answer for you, but I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I do. The coaches have obviously they're the ones that are talking about this, and they have the idea. The players probably have a pretty good idea because they're privy to what's going on at practice. But it's just so hard to tell because we don't really know. We said this for the past couple weeks now. We still don't really know what Jacob Eason is this year as a sophomore. Some people try to draw conclusions off the first couple passes. Um, that he made to open the season against Appalachian State. Some people are still, uh, they drew conclusions last year based on what he did as a true freshman, which I don't know is, if that's entirely fair because this is a new year. He's a different player, it's another year in the system to grow, to get better, uh, to become more of a leader, to become more accurate, kind of to basically work on his areas of deficiency from last year. So I don't think we still really know where, what he is right now. But I do at this point. I guess if I had to lean one way or the other, I would lean probably towards it more so being Fromm's job to lose. Because look, the fact is we are five zero right now, and I, and I will say, like we said on Monday's show talking about this, I don't know if we. I don't think that we've really won any one game because of Jake Fromm. Now he has contributed to us winning some games, no doubt about it. He's done some really good things for us. And I, I'm so high on Jake Fromm down the road and his potential. But I don't know if he has actually gone out there, put the team on his back, and won a game for us. In fact, I would say he has not done that. I'm not saying he necessarily can't, but it's hard to sit here and say, yep, he he has he can do that right now for us if he has to, because, until we actually see it. Uh, and, and Eason, I know he had his issues last year, but he, there were situations where he was able to do that last year. Uh, but despite the fact that Fromm has not put the team on his back and gone out there and won a game for us, we are 5-0, okay? And... He has grown with each game. Okay, He's seen things he hasn't seen before. He's, he's, he's learning more. He's the kind of guy that soaks that stuff up. He's a football junkie. So really, we, we all hear the high football IQ, but it's true with this guy. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be really hard to take him out of that spot. I think the only way he loses his job is if he starts making really bad decisions on a pretty consistent basis. And he made a couple bad decisions against Tennessee, more than a couple bad decisions. Kirby was not happy. He was on the field. Uh, getting in his face about it a couple times, he mentioned in the post game press conference about Jake that Jake's got to make better decisions. You know, he judges our our offense coaching staff judges the quarterback play on the types of decisions they're making, and he made it pretty clear that Fromm didn't always make great decisions against Tennessee. He's made some good decisions. He's doing a lot of good things, but it hasn't been perfect. So if if his decision making does not continue to improve. I think that's what could open the door to Easton. Because he saw a lot of this stuff last year, stuff that Fromm is still kind of seeing for the first time and kind of learning right now as we go through this year. And we kind of experienced that last year with a true freshman. So I guess that could open the door if he doesn't start making uh, if he doesn't start making good decisions on a more consistent basis, I would say. Because he does make some good decisions a lot of the time. But there are those moments where it's like, dude, okay, what are you doing? Now I see you are a true freshman. But I think that right now that's probably the only way uh, that – he could lose this job. Or if Easton, I guess you could also say if Easton just flat out outperforms him in practice and it's obvious to everyone, then maybe he could lose his job. But I, I would, if I had to handicap it right now, I guess I would probably say that it's Fromm's job to lose. Uh, next question here. Josue uh, on Twitter. Appreciate it, man. Uh, also another question about the quarterback situation. Josue says, I'm not at all advocating a two quarterback system, but I do think we could play both guys versus Vandy and Missouri for clarity in the competition, Uh, and that's a good point, it really is, man, Um, to to me, I'll be real with you guys, the idea of a two quarterback system, particularly with two guys with such similar skill sets as Jake Fromm and Jacob Beeson, that's kind of anathema to me, I'm not about that, very, very rarely does it work, you can't sit here and ever say uh, it's never worked, I don't like speaking absolutes, but very rarely does that really work out, I it's really hard for either guy to build a rhythm. They're always kind of looking over their shoulder. If I play well, I, you know, I might have the job right now, but if I make a, a mistake here, a mistake there, then they're going to pull me out and put the other guy in. I, it's really hard for the offense to start functioning at its optimal level and get really get into a rhythm if you're kind of pulling guys in and out and going back and forth. I think, and I said this on Monday's show, I think opening the job up, is the only way to handle it, and just let the best man win. Almost like fall camp again, where we had this open, in spring practice, but really more so fall camp, we had this open competition, at least Kirby would like to, he's told us it was an open competition, but but Jacob Eason won that. Well, now that Jake Fromm's got about five games under his belt here, he, he's obviously ahead of where he was coming into the season. So let's open it back up again. Fromm's got about half a season almost under his belt. Eason's got pretty much a full season under his belt. Let's see where these guys are right now, and... Let's let the best man win. And I think practice will tell you a lot of that. But I, I am aware of the fact that practice can only tell you so much. Going in the game and doing it's a different story. You guys all know about know about practice players, guys who out there, and they they just they dominate at practice, you go out in the game and it just doesn't translate. And there's also those players who just don't really do much at practice, don't really perform at practice, aren't about practice. You know, the whole Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. You know, that there are guys like that, but you go out there in the game. They perform at a very high level, so it's practice can tell you a little bit, but it's really hard to know for sure until you get out there in the game. So I get what you're saying, Hostway, and I, I might be fine with I don't want to say a two quarterback system, but I might be fine with both guys getting some snaps in in serious playing time, not just like Easton coming to mop up duty like he did against Tennessee. I might be fine with that for one game, maybe two games, maybe you could say Vandy and Missouri. Ah, I don't know, man, but I'll say this. I think it needs to be resolved sooner rather than later. I'd be okay with it if they both got some snaps against Vanderbilt here. But, again, I, we need this resolved sooner rather than later. You want those questions to be finished. You don't want to keep getting these questions from the fan base, from the media, because you don't want to let it fester. The longer you let a quarterback situation like this fester, the more of an issue it becomes, the louder the questions become. Uh, and the clamoring all that it just becomes louder and louder and louder and it can becomes more of a distraction. So I definitely think I mean a decision is going to have to be made. We all know that. And I think that that decision needs to be made sooner rather than later. So if we if, if we want to try to get both guys some snaps and serious game time against Vandy, I'm cool that maybe Missouri if it's not clear after the Vandy game and that we could practice maybe but man, let's let's get this wrapped up as quickly as possible because we got we got bigger fish to worry about down the stretch here if we have any kind of championship aspirations uh one more question actually two more questions here about jake Fromm and jacob east in the quarterback situation sir chancelot man love the name dude love it appreciate the question sir chancelot asks is it me or do you get the feeling based on comments that kirby really wants the world to see what eason has shown them in practice Dude, uh, I absolutely get that feeling. I think, and this is just me, guys. I, I, this is just my opinion. I could be totally off base here. But I think Kirby feels as though Eason is the quarterback that is best prepared to lead this offense right now. He had his bumps and bruises last year. We went through all that last year. I think if Kirby and Jim Chaney had their way, they didn't want to go through ideally did not want to go through another year with a true freshman quarterback taking his bumps and bruises. Now, Fromm's bumps and bruises might not be as uh, intense as the ones Eason took last year, because I do think Fromm, as a true freshman, is farther along right now than where Jacob Eason was maybe this time last year. I do believe that, but that's not what—that's not the question we have to answer. We have to say we have to answer, is Jake Fromm right now as a true freshman five games into his career, is he ahead of where Jacob Eason is as a sophomore with a full year under his belt? If he is, then awesome. He's the guy. I... If not, then then it's got to be Eason. And I I hope everyone understands, guys, when I'm talking about these guys, I want what's best for Georgia. I am on the record saying that I love Jake Fromm. You guys all know that. Uh, but I, I like Jake Eason too. i got no ill will towards Jake Eason. I want the best player to play. Whoever gives us the best chance to win right now, I want that person to play. Okay. I'm not trying to play any favorites here. I'm really high on Jake Fromm. Uh, I love the, the just the type of player he is, the grittiness, uh, the swagger he plays with. I love all of that. But Jacob Eason's no slouch either. And if he gives us a better chance to win, then we got to go with him. Uh, But it's just hard for us to know that right now because, again, we don't know what Jacob Eason is. The coaches are the ones who have a much better idea uh, about that right now because they see the guy in practice. But back to the question here, I, I do think that Kirby wants the world to see what Eason has shown them in practice. Uh, he's always talking about how much progress Eason has made. You listen to his press conference. I listen to every single press conference, and he he talks all the time about when when asked about Eason, talks about how much progress Eason has made, how he's developed from last year. He, going back to the spring, he was talking about that. Fall camp, he's talking about that. Early, the early parts of the season, we ta- asked about him last week and this week. It's the same thing. I think that Kirby knows. Again, I think, but I think that Kirby knows, or he strongly believes, our offense. Would be more dynamic right now with Jacob Eason in there than it is with Jake Fromm because just I mean just a matter of having more experience um, and also let's it's not just experience Jacob Easton's a, re- a really talented guy yeah he has some things to work on his accuracy down the field no doubt about it but from what I saw from him in the preseason uh, watching some of the open practice watching the open practice watching uh. A spring scrimmage and obviously watching G-Day I know that's that's not a ton I don't see every practice but what I saw from him in a couple different settings he looked like he had made some strides but again you got to do that in games but here's the thing Kirby's in a tough spot even if he does think that our offense would be better with Jacob Eason in there he's in a really tough spot Jake Fromm as we all know is undefeated as a starter and as such he's still kind of in this honeymoon phase of sorts if Kirby makes the move to Eason and we happen to lose just one game, because Fromm hasn't lost any, if we lose just one game with Eason as the starter, Kirby's going to get murdered in the press, and the quarterback controversy will only intensify. It'll be started up all over again. So it's in a really tough spot. If you stick with Fromm, that's great. Let's hope that's the right decision. But let us if you do stick with Fromm and we end up losing the game, people start questioning, well, I mean, maybe we should have gone on Jacob Eason. You're the coach. You seem to practice. you got to make that decision. That's why you get paid all the big bucks. But if he makes a move and goes to Easton because he thinks Easton gives us a better chance to win right now because he's got more experience, well, if he does that and we lose a game, then he's going to get murdered for that. So it's kind of like a no-win situation unless whatever decision he goes with, we just keep winning. Now, if we win out, then it's all good. It's all forgiven. But whatever decision you make, if we lose a game, there's going to be people on one side or the other questioning you. So it's a really tough spot. So I said when this first happened, as much as I love Jay Fromm, and this is one of the worst things that could happen, is I know right now we're 5-0. No, it's great. It's great. But just the questions and the controversy it could potentially create. And to his credit, Kirby's done a really good job of kind of downplaying it right now. Uh, it hasn't gotten to the point to, which, to where it's distracting. And that's because we're winning. If that changes and we lose a game, all of a sudden those questions become a lot more intense. And the quarterback controversy becomes a lot more of a distraction than it was while you're 5-0. and So I guess let's just hope that we keep winning right now. All right, last one on the quarterback. So actually, man. Two more in the quarterback situation. I thought we were just the last one. We got two more after this, or two more with this one. Uh, Jennifer, I think this is the first question we've got from a female listener. It's awesome. My wife, I thought she might have been the only girl that actually listens. So it's great to know there's someone else out there. Uh, so Jennifer, appreciate the question. It says, I actually was thinking after last week's game, Fromm will face some backlash this week because of turnovers. But then our defense happened. Uh, Jennifer, I think that's a, that's a very astute observation. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, you watch you know watch that especially the first half of that game. Uh, let's say from the first quarter all the way through midpoint of the second quarter. From was making some he was making some, I don't wanna say terrible decisions. But some questionable decisions, okay. And he, he he missed some he missed Sony on that first drive down the sideline after the, after McGee's interception should have been the easy touchdown again. Like we don't know what the reads are, the progressions are in that situation. But judging by Kirby's reaction, from missed the read there. Uh, and he threw what should have been two, he threw, definitely threw one interception, which wasn't a bad read, it was just a bad throw, very inaccurate throw. Stuff that we killed Jacob Eason for last year, but everyone kind of glosses over right now because we're winning. But he made some he made some bad decisions last week, maybe more than he has to this point. But it also was the by far the most hostile, toughest environment he's played in to this point. But I mean, Fromm has largely been more accurate, particularly downfield than Eason was last year despite last week's interception, um, but he's also made a lot of the same fresh mistakes that Eason did make last year. And like I just said a second ago, people just gloss over the mistakes Fromm is making right now because we're winning despite those mistakes, whereas Last year, Eason's deficiencies as a true freshman were far more glaring because we were losing those games. Okay, when you make mistakes and the team still finds a way to win, fans are far more likely and willing to overlook and forgive your mistakes. They're not as glaring. They're not as obvious. People kind of say you kind of forget about them. And So I think Fromm has just simply been the beneficiary of a better all-around Georgia football team. He's got a better offensive line. Running backs uh, are deeper this year with Holyfield back in the equation. Uh, you you uh, insert DeAndre Swift, who's kind of taking over that third back role right now. Um, the wide, re- wide receivers are better. And Nick Chubb, obviously, go back to the running backs, is also another year removed from his injury. The defense is head and shoulders above better than what we were last year. Special teams is has been a revelation so far this year. So Fromm has simply been the beneficiary of a better all around team. He really has. Now I I do think he might be making as a whole making better decisions than Eason made last year. And it's probably been he definitely has been, if you look at the at the completion percentage numbers, has been more accurate, and more efficient than Eason last year, but he hasn't had to put this team on his back, going back to what we said earlier. He hasn't had those big passing numbers. He had 201 yards against Mississippi State, didn't really throw a pass. I think it was after after like the one 131 mark of the third quarter or something like that. Did not throw a pass. I think it was so he didn't need to. But, you know, against Missouri last year, in the third game of the year, Eason throws like over 50 times, I think 55 times. was up 300 yards. Against Tennessee, he had a really good game. Almost won that game for us on a miracle pass to Riley Ridley. But we all know how that went down. Thank God we got our revenge this, this past week. Uh, but I think he's just simply been the beneficiary of a better all-around team. And that brings us to, and yes, this is finally our last question on the quarterback situation. That brings us to this question, question from at RiseUp4031 on Twitter. Appreciate the question, man. And uh, this, uh, he says, Jacob Eason had a way worse Georgia team to manage and way more pressure than Fromm did last year. So that's kind of what I was talking about there. And, it's, and I totally agree. And we've I've been on this for the past couple weeks talking about this quarterback situation. People who are comparing Jake Fromm as a true freshman to Jacob Eason as a true freshman back in 2016 are comparing apples to oranges. It's not a fair comparison, okay? Yes, Fromm's completion percentage is better than Eason's was last year, but the, he's got a better group of wide receivers, a deeper group of wide receivers. Terry Godwin's a year older, where he, Kirby was all over him last year, and he's kind of answered that challenge. Javon Wims wasn't really a full-time starter until late in the year last year. He's been a full-time starter since day one. You've got Miko Harbin that's been in certain situation. So you have a better group of wide receivers. you got DeAndre Swift who's k- getting involved in the passing game. The tight ends are a year older. They under, last year, they, those guys were young trying to figure out what to do. Now they know what to do, although they haven't been really involved in the game plan all too much which I know gets under a lot of people's skin but you're just comparing apples to oranges we were we are a better football team this year Jake Fromm has more to work with and he also is not has not been asked to do as much Jacob Eason was asked to game in and game out essentially put that team on his back 55 passes on the road in his first road start at Missouri at night last year guys Third game of the year, second start ever. He was asked to put the ball in the air 55 times. Came down and won the game with a late touchdown pass on fourth down. Okay. He was asked to do that. Jay Fromm has been asked to do that. So, yeah, his numbers are better. His completion percentage is better because he he's thrown the ball over 20 times, one time. Okay. I think 15, 29 times, 15 times against uh, Appalachia State. I want to say 19 or 29 against Notre Dame. Uh, what he had 15 against. Uh, Tennessee and 12 against Mississippi State, so he's just not being asked to do that. It'd be very interesting to see if well, we're going to have to probably find out at some point. But it's going to be interesting to see if he, when he's asked to do that, if he's asked to do that, can he do it? I think the answer is probably yes, but we don't know that for sure. Whereas we know that Jacob Eason was asked to do that last year. So again, it's just another example of how it's apples to oranges comparing Eason as a freshman to Fromm as a freshman. I will. I've again also been on the record saying I think if Eason and Fromm came in the same time last year, I think that Fromm would have beaten him out because he was just more advanced coming out of high school than Jacob Eason was. That's just my opinion. After you know, I didn't see Eason as as much in high school, uh, but I saw Jake Fromm a lot. And judging off what we saw from Eason last year, I do think that Fromm is ahead of where Eason was coming out of high school into college. But that's not the question we're answering. Again, we're answering the question of who is the better quarterback with Jacob Eason as a sophomore, where he is right now, and Jake Fromm as a freshman. We just and we know what we have in Jake Fromm as a freshman. We've seen that for five games. What we don't know is what we have in Jacob Eason as a sophomore, uh, coming into his second year, potentially as a starter. We just don't know, and that's why I don't know if it's fair to really compare those two guys their freshman seasons. Uh, and I do think, like, like what. There's a very real possibility that if we put Jacob Eason in the lineup, I know we're winning right now. I know it's, we're 5-0. It's really hard to take a guy out of the lineup if, if a team is 5-0. But, again, I'm not sure that Jake Fromm is the reason we're 5-0. He's part of the reason, but he's not the reason. I'm not sure that if you took him out of those five games and Jacob Eason was a quarterback, I'm pretty sure we'd probably still be 5-0. I feel pretty confident saying that. So we have to think about what could Jacob Eason do with this offense with this offensive line, with this group of running backs, this group of wide receivers, this defense that, that really can kind of pick you up if you make a mistake, this group, this special teams unit, what could he do with this team this year? And I think there's a very real possibility that we could perhaps be even better with J.K. Beeson at quarterback. our offense could be perhaps even more dynamic than it has been right now. Because our offense has been good, it's been solid, but it hasn't been what I would say dynamic or what I would call dynamic right now. I really don't think it has been. All right, let's get off the quarterback stuff. Enough of that. Uh, let's move on to another topic. Brian asks, are you surprised at the jump Tyler Clark has made as a sophomore? It's a good question, Brian. You know, I, uh, I threw a shout-out to Tyler Clark uh, after the Tennessee game. Also threw a, I also fired some shots his way for the personal foul and kind of not keeping his cool there. It's kind of been uncharacteristic of this team. This team has really been one of those teams that's all business, and uh, that was kind of uh, out of character for this defense. But it's okay. He had a really good game. I think he's played really well throughout the entire season, since game one, really. So uh, I'll say maybe I'm surprised maybe that he's made this big of a jump. But I'm really not surprised that he's playing at a high level. Uh, I was probably more surprised that last year he was playing over Mikhail Card. Mikhail Card was the higher-rated guy coming out of high school. He was the Under Armour All-American, not Tyler Clark. Tyler Clark's out of America's Georgia, wasn't getting a lot of that uh, recruiting love. But he came in here all business, and he had a pretty good year last year. Uh, we were, Remember, I think back to the beginning of last year, we were all concerned about that defensive line. Because we had, okay, well, we had Trent Thompson, and we had John John Atkins, we had Daquan Hawkins, Hawkins Muckle out, but he was kind of injured. We had um, Jonathan Ledbetter out the first half of the season last year with his suspension. Uh, you had David Marshall, who's a guy that's coming in. We had all these young guys that were going to have to play serious snaps, whether it was David Marshall, Tyler Clark, Julian Rochester, Mikhail Carter. Carter was the one that didn't see as much time out of that group there. But uh, Tyler Clark was a pleasant surprise last year. All those guys played well when they got opportunities. But this year, he's taken a big jump. He has absolutely taken a big jump forward this year. Uh, and I'm loving what I'm seeing him. He plays with really good leverage he's ferocious he he hustles he plays with a really high motor he's really violent with his hands so uh, he's been a big piece of this puzzle for us and I mean losing Trent for at least a week here, probably a little bit longer than that that's concerning to me but uh the fact that Tyler Clark has really taken a big step in year two as a sophomore I think that that kind of allows us to, to, to have at least a little bit of a cushion when you lose a guy like Trent Thompson. So I think he'll play some more snaps now that Trent's out until he gets back. Um, and it's, he's going to be a, a big key for us down the stretch. And I'm still all about the SEC being a line-of-scrimmage line league, guys. It really is all about what you have in the trenches. And Tyler Clark is one of those guys that could potentially give us a pretty big advantage in the trenches as he continues to grow. Uh, next question here from David. Appreciate it, David. David asks, is it time to start giving Elijah Holyfield some carries over Brian Harrion? I, uh, I I think so. I, I absolutely think so, Dave. Appreciate the question again. Uh, I've been on Elijah Holyfield since the open practice before the 2016 season. I thought that he looked like the best back out there. And yes, I'm including Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. In, in that one setting, that one day, that's, that's all it was, it was one isolated setting. I thought he looked lights out. I thought he looked explosive, uh, athletic. Powerful. I loved what I saw out of him there. I was expecting him to be a big part of the offense, especially with Nick Chubb coming off the injury and the uh, and Sony wasn't really practicing at that time. You remember Sony had the, the the hand injury with the with the four four wheeler, whatever it was, ATV, whatever it was. So he really wasn't even practicing. and We knew he probably wasn't going to play in that first game. So I was expecting Holyfield to maybe be a guy that solved ten plus carries in that game, and he looked that way in that open practice. But then late in fall camp, he gets the uh, I believe it was an ankle injury. He gets injured. Um, and then that gives Harian the opening to come in as the third back because we didn't we weren't as deep. We had Brennan Douglas back there. God bless him. But I mean, God, it, it, that was our running back depth last year. So Harian comes in and gets an opportunity in that first game, which I'm not sure he would have gotten if Holyfield had not gotten injured. And he makes the most of it. It's a touchdown in his first play. Runs real hard. Looks good. He looked good for the first third of the season last year. And then he really didn't get a ton of carries after that. Uh, once we got into the, the meat of the schedule, but. Look, I like Brian Herion. I really do. I think he's a good player, and it's a great pickup by Kirby, staying on him and getting him late like that. And he's He was definitely an undervalued recruit because nobody really thought he was be, he was going to be able to qualify, but he did, to his credit. But I think that Holyfield's a better running back than Brian Herion. I really do. I think they're both good. I'm really glad they're both on our team. But I do think that Holyfield's a superior running back. I know we haven't seen as much of him, and he's not as versatile as maybe a wide receiver, as a receiving threat of the backfield as Herion is. But I think Holyfield runs just as hard, if not harder, than Brian Harriam. And I believe that Holyfield has ridiculous lateral agility. I mean, his jump cuts are flat-out nasty. And like I said, he runs hard. I think he's got great potential. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that see him as a transfer candidate. And and they're, they may be right. They may, they're probably right because we're just so low at the running back position. You know, we've got DeAndre Swift. He's already kind of taking over the role as that third back right now. Um, You've got... Zeus coming in next year. Zemir White, number one running back in the country, according to the 247 composite rank. Right now, we're really high. Uh, James Cook, the number three running back in the country, according to the 247 composite. He is really high on us, and we are probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. So we got a lot of talent coming into this program. So maybe because of that, he's a guy, if he doesn't get the carries he wants this year, he just doesn't see the path of playing time. gets frustrated. And maybe he would transfer out. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see him stick around and try to maybe take that job next year or be in that rotation next year as a junior and i think he has a legitimate shot to do that too i, I i'm still very high on elijah holyfield it's just you know when 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 sony and nick decide to come back it kind of creates a logjam there that he and harry were not expecting to be there and deandre swift the same thing uh all right uh this is the last question here on today's show and this question is from jamie Appreciate the question, Jamie. Uh, Jamie asks, what has surprised you most about this team and what scares you most about this team? Kind of a two-part question here, so thanks for the question, my man. Uh, let's take the first part here. What has surprised me most about this team? You know, I, I could go a couple different directions with this, but I'm going to go with Rodrigo Blankenship. Okay, You can say our special teams as a whole, but I'm going I'm to be specific here. I'm going to say Rodrigo Blankenship. I wasn't sure. In fact, I was probably, if I had to lean one way or the other, I would probably figured that David Marvin, the transfer from Wofford, would have beaten Rodrigo out, at least for the kickoff job, because Marvin had a, you know, had this reputation as a guy with a big leg, maybe not the most accurate field goal kicker, but a bigger leg than what Rodrigo showed last year. And that was one of the big issues we had with Rodrigo, and one of the reasons I was on board with him not getting a scholarship uh, after last year, because we only, he had 20 touchbacks all of last year. That's 36% of his kickoffs were touchbacks. All of last year. 20 all of last year. That wasn't good enough. Our defense was put in bad spots. You I mean, we lost the Vanderbilt game. Was like they returned one all... That's one of the reasons we lost the Vanderbilt game. The special team is probably the primary contributing factor there. Um, in the, the opening kickoff, they returned down inside the inside the red zone. If if you kick the ball out of the end zone, forced a touchback. That never happens. We don't lose to Vanderbilt. We end, we end the season at least 8-4. and four. Uh, So, I mean, it's... It's a big deal. People don't really see it that way, but it is a big deal to force touchbacks. So last year, 20 all of 2016, 36% of his kickoffs were touchbacks. This year, through five games, Rodrigo already has 24 touchbacks on the season, and that's a 77% clip. 77% of his kickoffs have been touchbacks this season. That is astronomical improvement that's crazy that's the kind of stuff that earns you a scholarship so I'm now completely on board with him getting a scholarship if you're doing that kind of stuff 100% you deserve a scholarship so to me that's probably what I'm most surprised about we knew that Rodrigo was a pretty accurate field goal kicker inside 50 yards we saw that last year but the kickoff game man we didn't see it and that's a see that that was a that was I mean that's a reason one of the major reasons we lost that Vanderbilt game and we're struggling in other other games as well we just couldn't kick the ball out of the end zone uh, so kudos to Rodrigo, man, and I'm, I've been pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised by that. Uh, the next part of the question: What scares me most about this team? I would probably have to point the passing game. Uh, I think that we we can be a, a good passing offense. I, I don't really have too, many, too much too many doubts about that. We just haven't seen it yet. We at some point we're going to play a very good defense. Okay, maybe it's Florida. I don't know if Florida is a very good defense, but. Maybe it's Florida, maybe it's Auburn, maybe it's Alabama if we get that far the SEC title game. At some point, we're going to play a defense that's able to at least slow down, if not shut or stop, or you know, at least slow down, let's say that, at least slow down our running game. And when that happens, we have got to be able to throw the ball to win a game. It hasn't happened at this point. We haven't been forced in that situation. We've been able to run the ball fairly well when we want to. But the time is coming. I don't know when it's going to happen. But at some point this year, we're going to have to open the playbook up and throw the football to win games. And we just haven't done it yet with Jake Fromm. So until that happens, it's at least something I'm going to be at least mildly concerned about because we just don't know. I believe I believe in Jake Fromm. I believe in our passing game. But believing it and seeing it are two different things. At some point, we're gonna have to see it's going to have to see because there's going to be a time. And maybe Auburn's the most likely in the regular season for that to be the case. And Florida, that's a good defense. They're not as good as they have been. But like I said in the preseason, they haven't fallen off the face of the earth. They're still a pretty good unit. Uh, And and they're probably going to sell. I mean, most teams are going to sell against the run and try to slow us down and force us to throw the ball. Nobody's really been overly successful to this point doing so, at least throughout the entire game. Uh, But at some point, it's probably going to happen. And we've got to be able to throw the football. And that scares me. I just It just scares me until I see it. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't be scared, but it's at least mildly concerning to me. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up the Week 6 Mailbag. I hope it wasn't too painful for you guys hearing me kind of drone on and on here by myself. Kind of It's weird sitting here just kind of monologuing, it feels like. But uh, I definitely appreciate you guys sticking with me here. If you did indeed stick it through the entire show. Curtis, hopefully, will be back and healed up, ready to go. Hope that voice is recovered for the Thursday preview show. So thanks again for listening, guys. Check back with us on Thursday for the Vanderbilt game preview. Uh, Normally I would say for Curtis, I'm Tyler, but it's just me. So I'm Tyler. And as always, guys, go Dawgs.